0: For the past year and a half, we've all been challenged to rethink the way we work. We have taken on different roles on our teams, transitioned to different styles of work, and adapted to a rapidly changing environment. Currently, we're experiencing another transition with many people returning to the physical office. Dr. Brenda Birsch joins us for a three part series about how to optimize your well being during this workplace transition. She's an expert in resilience training and a professor of clinical psychiatry and pediatrics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Over the course of 3 episodes, Dr. Burch will cover 3 themes: remember, recover, and renew. Tune in to learn about actionable and practical tips for how you can prepare for your work transition and optimize your well-being. Dr. Brenda Burch It's great to have you back on our UCLA Live Well podcast to talk about how we can advance our health and well-being as we return to the workplace. Last episode, you identified three themes with our return to the workplace. Last one was remember, and this one we're going to cover, recover. (laughs) And next episode, we will cover the renew theme. And what I'd like to do is start with a question today on recover. What does that mean when you say recover?
1: Thanks so much for having me here today. I'm, I'm very glad to be here to do part two of our three-part series. So last time when we were talking about reflection, we were talking about how to really process all of the sorrow and loss that we experienced over the last year and a half. And so in this one, recover, this section, I think that what I really want to talk about is what we know can help us be at our best in terms of well-being. What factors we know help us flourish in the work setting, help us flourish as human beings, and really you know, set the stage for recovery. So it's having a framework that we can use to evaluate how we're doing, to evaluate our work environment, to evaluate, you know, what kind of plans we have for those people who report to us, and to really kind of do it in a systematic way so that we can review and plan better our return to work.
0: So I love the word flourish. It's such a rich word. How do you propose one to flourish?
1: Well, you know, the way I've been thinking about it, I've been borrowing from what's called the perma model, um, which is from positive psychology. And the goal of the perma model is flourishing. It covers five different areas uh, about well-being, really meant to focus on the workplace. And you know, those five areas are positive emotions, relationships, accomplishment, engagement, and meaning. And so if you are able to really pay attention to each of those five different areas and optimize them, then you put yourself in a situation where you're not just, you know, being, you're not just surviving day to day, but you are really in a position where you are flourishing, meaning that you're growing and that you have, you know, energy, you know, those are things that a lot of us have not been feeling a whole lot of over the last year and a half. So I think it's nice to have a minute to just kind of think about how can we go from being to flourishing? How can we, you know, pull ourselves up from struggling and try to get ourselves into that flourishing category? Mm -hmm. Maybe I can take a minute and just kind of go through each of these five different areas in a little bit more detail. So that people have an understanding of you know what I meant some of it is pretty obvious, but I want to make a couple points in each of them in terms of positive emotions it really is what you're thinking it is happiness joy pleasures and we know um, I kind of spoke to this in previous two podcasts the importance of attentional focus putting your focus on some positive events and feelings and emotions to help counterbalance some of those more negative ones. And our natural tendency as high achievers to be a little bit more critical thinking, negative at times, um, not quite as self-compassionate as maybe we should be, but really focusing our attention on positive emotions. We know that finding joy at work in particular is linked to employee well-being as well as performance in the workplace. And so this isn't just about feeling good this is actually about working better saving the organization money so there's good business behind this as well as physical and emotional health for the individual so figuring out ways to cultivate joy and we're going to come back to that a little bit engagement is something that you know if you've felt it before you know it it means being completely immersed in an activity some people will call it flow when You don't even know what's going on around you. You're so focused on something that is so interesting to you that you lose track of time. We know that, you know, that's most likely to happen when you are intellectually interested, when you are doing something that really draws upon your strengths, that your sense of purpose, and when you're able to have those moments, It's linked to feeling much more empowered on the job, to job satisfaction, to fewer people leaving their job and other, you know, important organizational outcomes. So trying to find those opportunities is really helpful. And we know that when you're thinking about the work environment, the things that help contribute to those moments of flow is really making sure that people are doing what's meaningful to them, making sure that they feel safe in the work environment, which is really relevant to our current situation with the pandemic. Making sure that we have enough time at work doing things that we find joyful or meaningful, that it's balanced out with the other work that we do that is not as fun. That your relationships at work are supportive and helpful as well. Those things all contribute to engagement or flow. And then of course, you know relationship is its own other bucket. it's so important it like touches all of the buckets and it also has its own because it's so important. We know that when you have strong relationships with your colleagues that it's associated with a sense of well-being. We know that having those strong sense of relationships sometimes One of the key factors is that those people will remind you to take care of yourself. Maybe they'll go on walks with with you. They'll remind you to be more compassionate towards yourself and to have a greater sense of self-acceptance. And so it's through those routes that these really important relationships can remind us how to take care of ourselves. And that's another you know, direct positive effect of having strong relationships. Then the next section is meaning. And you can see how these are all intertwined, right? They're not 100% independent of each other. But having meaning in your life is feeling like you are serving an important role. You're doing something of service to others, doing something that's bigger than yourself. So you have a sense of purpose. And we know that having that sense of meaning or purpose or having inspirational goals like our students do and, you know, getting a degree, for example, can increase work engagement, satisfaction, and can help you perform better. And this works the best when you are doing what you really want to be doing. So if you're in a major, let's say you're a student on upper campus, uh, an graduate student or undergraduate, you're not really in the major you want. Maybe somebody else thought you should major in this, and it's not really your passion. It's going to be harder for you on those hard days, right? To take your tests because you're not that excited about it. But if you have a major that's aligned with what your passion is, and you really want to do it, then even though you might have classes that you don't like sometimes, it's easier to take those tests. It's easier to do that homework because you know there's a positive outcome at the end. And we all have analogies. You know, If you're not a student, you have other goals in your life, and it's the same thing. There's really interesting research that I look forward to see if it's replicated in other settings, and I think it will be. But basically, what it has demonstrated with health providers is that if you're able to engage in work that you find is meaningful, at least 20% of your time, then you are protected substantially against burnout. I love that because that means you can be doing stuff that's not as exciting or fun or maybe is a little bit more tedious 80% of the time and still be protected against burnout. And so that's a concrete number too. So it allows you to really look at your work schedule and say, where do I find meaning? Is there a way I can tweak it so that I can like eke out a little bit more joy or meaning so that I can get over that 20% threshold? Because if you can, that will make a big difference in your life is what this research suggests. So that's the bucket of meaning. So it allows you to really kind of think about where you're at in terms of Your own career, your own trajectory in school, regardless of what it is that your main accomplishments are, it allows you to think about, am I cultivating enough meaning? That leads to the next one, which is accomplishment. Because having those episodes of accomplishment feels so good. It it gives us all sorts of positive neurochemicals in our brain that gives us a little positive mood boost and can really be protective and contribute to our resilience. And so if you get a good, you know, grade on a test, if you get a grant that's funded, if you get a promotion, if you get a raise, if you get, you know, a new job responsibility that you really wanted, all of those things, you you know, you finish a paper that you really had a difficult time writing, those success stories, those feelings of mastery and achievement boost well-being. And we know that people who are high performing teams that are high performing and organizations that are constantly striving to have this high level of achievement really do well when they highlight and point out these milestones. They, you know, really celebrate them as they come along. And so kind of going back to those earlier things we're talking about, really point your attention to those positive moments and help cultivate those positive, you know, feelings as much as possible, really kind of milking them so to speak. And so if you think about these five different buckets, it'll it, it very easily lays out for you how you can ask yourself questions about, you know, what you're doing to increase your own feelings of well-being and those that report to you. So when you think about yourself, you can think What am I currently doing that's leading to some positive emotions? What happens during my day that makes me smile or laugh? What activities cause me to lose track of time? That's the engagement one. How much time do you spend doing those kinds of things? To what extent are you doing things that make you feel valuable and worthwhile? Do you feel like you're rooted in a larger mission? Are you doing that with others that you really feel like you can trust and who you feel really understand you and support you? Are there parts of what you do that, you know, just doing it is its own reward? Would you just do it regardless of whether you're going to get some sort of positive outcome? How would you describe your relationships with those you are spending your most of your time with? What are your most important relationships? Why is that? Those are questions you can ask yourself. And then you can also kind of think about these different buckets and come up with a plan for yourself in each one of them. Think goals for yourself and then goals for If you're in a situation where people report to you and you're a supervisor, you can also think about what you can do to support those who report to you in each of those different domains. So basically, the bottom line is that you can use this model, this PERMA model, to help you conceptualize how am I going to develop a personal toolkit for myself by really being intentional and focusing on how I can do things that help me feel good How I can do things that help me live in a meaningful manner. How I can establish or maintain supportive and friendly relationships with others. How I can really be thoughtful about having meaningful goals and getting to those goals. How I can achieve them and how I can highlight milestones on my way to those so that I can really optimize and, and get out of every little milestone, a good, you know, dopamine hit in my brain that will help me have a moment of feeling good that will protect me against some of the more challenging emotions I might be feeling and how I can feel fully, fully engaged with my life rather than kind of detached as some of us sometimes feel. So that's the
0: PERMA model. You know, when you say this model, the PERMA model and putting on my supervisor hat or my manager hat, I think that what we do in our small but mighty group is have monthly reports where people will say what they've done over the month uh, and share with each other. And I'm thinking, wouldn't that be great to also consider some of those, especially the meaning part, like what part of that month was meaningful to you and what were the projects that were meaningful to you? And what ones did you feel you achieved a sense of accomplishment? I could see us interjecting those kinds of reflections into that monthly report, which is meant to be a reflection. It's not only meant to be reporting what you've done. That's a
1: great idea. Yes. Interjecting some of these into those check-ins. right is a great idea. And you know, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I think as you are a manager or if you have a manager, either way, bringing up the idea of having regular check-ins, which might be something that was not part of the routine before, can be incredibly helpful. For many people who are coming back to the workplace, it's not going to be the same as it was before, right? Things are going to be different. Some people have left. Some people have been hired. It's going to look different in many settings. The workflow might be different. And so... There's a lot to cope with and to have those types of regular check-ins, I think would be great. And to add those other dimensions, you just reminded me, you know, I work in the hospital and I just recently asked a patient who's about to be discharged, as I often do, you know, what did we do that you liked the most? And what did we do that really annoyed you? We like to, you know, learn from our patients. So, you know, can you be a teacher and tell us what your experience was? And, this little girl, when she told us, you know, what she really liked, we would have had no idea. You know, we, we had no idea. And by hearing what she had to say sparked joy for us. Oh. The, we had done this thing we didn't even realize was going to cause her joy. And to hear it not only sparked our joy and gave us a moment of happiness, but also contributed meaning and to future patient treatment plans. Because since we knew she appreciated it, we'll be more likely to remember we did that. And so, you know, sharing those reflections is not only, you know, good for the person who's sharing, but it is absolutely valuable to the folks who are listening as well. Because if they hear someone else feeling gratitude or joy, it's going to spark it in them. And it's also going to give them ideas for themselves as well.
0: That's really lovely. Sort of to the point that you made in the first podcast about the importance of not just thinking things yourself, but sharing ideas and stories with each other and learning from each other. Exactly. Yeah. You know, one thing that struck me also is really helpful advice for the workplace that could be translated to your own life to work on flourishing. That helps sort of this sense of flow, right? So you could do flow in your own home. I even have heard people say you can do a passive flow with like binging on a show. You
1: know, you One of my very favorite ways to engage in flow is to binge watch a docuseries or something like that. Absolutely.
0: I love that. That's so great because it gives you... You can feel a range of emotion and not have to be looking for it. It's sort of being fed to you, you know?
1: It's like being able to go traveling to a foreign land without ever having to go to an airport, right? That's
0: exactly <laughs> right, yeah. Yes, no, I think that is that is all true, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Brenda burst once again, for an amazing podcast and your wisdoms and practical tips for all of us to practice in our day-to-day life. And I look forward to our next episode our final of the three called Renew.
1: Thank you very
0: much. Yes, next time we'll be
1: talking about how to develop your own personal toolkit. And that is what will be included in the Renew section. I look forward to talking to you. Fantastic. Thank you again.
0: Thank you again for joining us. For more information about today's episode, visit our website at healthy.ucla.edu backslash livewellpodcasts. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Semel Healthy Campus Initiative Center at UCLA. To stay up to date with our episodes, subscribe to UCLA Live Well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating to tell us how we're doing. And if you think you know the perfect person for us to interview next, please tweet your idea to us at HealthyUCLA. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we hope you join us for our next episode as we explore new perspectives on health and well-being.